Welcome to Postscript. My name is Paul Eastwood. I'm the lead pastor here at Compass Point. And today uh, I have with me our worship pastor, Dave Severns. Hello, Paul. We are flipped today and we I get are. to be the host and you get to talk a little bit about the message that you preached on Sunday, which was which was fantastic thinking about this idea of humility, but humility in a bit of a different way mm. um, as, as I perceived it. So why don't you share a little bit about what that looked like and how you, uh, what, what were you talking about on Sunday? Yeah. So this was our, our last in our um, series on how we live, our series on these values, uh, and it was humility over judgment. Um, so I... Yeah, I talked a little bit about how um, judgment and and even how making snap decisions is kind of a part of being human, Um, but often those snap decisions uh, do more to push us away from others than to draw us together. We think they're kind of helping helping us to find our people, but... Uh, in the process, we, we get isolated and we, uh, we get judgy, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then looked at what the Bible calls us to in, in humility, uh, specifically out of Philippians 2, um, with this beautiful hymn in the middle of, of Philippians there that, that talks about uh, Christ being in the very nature God, um, didn't consider equality with God something to be taken advantage of. Uh, but emptied himself in service and how that is our example, um, how following Christ looks like following him in that humility in self-emptying service. So humility isn't, um, as we often think, it's not It's not just kind of a sitting back and, and making little of myself. It's actually making more of others. And it's doing that by giving my absolute best to serve them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, we kind of dove in and around that and uh yeah used some examples and and i preached this sermon as much to myself as i did to anyone else well it's funny i mean let's start where where you started in the sense that the church has uh you gave a statistic about i think it was 86 percent 87 percent of people between a certain age mm-hmm. you can tell me what that and, was 16 and 29 right um barna study you know yeah. recognize that the church was a place or believed that the church was a place that was judgmental yep and and I think that's something that um, that we can all relate to when we talk to our friends and and family members who aren't uh, aren't part of a church. There's often this sense of that, and you know. So I mean, is it is it warranted? Yes. Yeah. I I would like. I mean, okay. I I gave a little example. I I kind of quickly said, I have experienced picket signs, and um, petitions, and books given to people telling them why they're doing what they're doing is wrong and why they're going to hell. Um, I, I have personally experienced all of those things in church. I actually, uh, I mean, the last one is actually kind of a funny story. When I was in college, we, uh, we were part of a traveling worship team and uh, we would go and play at churches and, and, you know, do our best to serve churches. But we were a bunch of college, college kids uh, playing kind of rock and roll worship. Uh, and we tried to tone it down, but we, we played one church that had never had drums in it before. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, to tone things down, but after the service, this nice old lady who was very kind, to be fair, came up to our drummer and said, I think you should have this. And it was a book with a page flagged in it explaining why drums were from Satan and why he was for sure going to hell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which, you know, like it, it, we look back and it was it was funny and she did it with with much grace. But but we how could you do that with grace? I don't I, know. <laughs> yeah. But but it, it's yeah. that tension we feel. Yeah. Right. So the church is known as a place uh, that cares more about truth yeah. than it does about love. Um, yeah. We, we say that our greatest value is love, but actually, what is it we're known for in the media? And I mean, you know, in, in politics right now, even right, we're, we're known for defending what's right uh, and doing it kind of brashly yeah. um, 
as opposed to kindly and generously and humbly. Yeah. And I think, and I think you really touched on this with this idea that, um, you know, humility is not, not, is not like the, the absence of opinion. No, it's not that we just kind of check all of our own things at the door. Mm -hmm. I love this idea of bringing our best and, and then allowing others to, you know, to kind of have their way and putting others first. And so it, I think that's a really helpful way in terms of the way that we interact with the world around us. Mm -hmm. Um, in the sense that we we still want to stand for truth and hold on to these things, of course. but what are the like you said the greatest virtue is love. So how do we interact with people mm-hmm. and demonstrate that love? Um, you know, while while holding on to the truth, it's uh, it's it's tricky sometimes. It it really is, and honestly, it takes a lot more work. Um, it is easier for me to have an opinion uh, and to state that opinion to argue that perspective than it is for me to try to put myself in another's shoes to ask good questions and to understand them mm-hmm. and to love them. Uh, mm-hmm. That is way harder. And frankly, it is, it's less exciting. It's less, uh, okay, if you're on social media, one of the greatest ways to get interaction, which is kind of the, the best part of social media, as in like the thing that everyone wants, that one of the greatest ways to do that is to state strong opinions, to come out strongly for or against any number of things. Mm. Um, one of the hardest ways to get interaction is to ask questions and mm-hmm. to engage with people graciously. And and there's a lot of things on social media that I'll just say they're not worth engaging in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's not a good venue for talking about complex ideas. Uh, but complex ideas take take time and they take effort. I mean, you, you look at politics because this is we're we're watching our neighbors to the south right now, um, and we're seeing some of the same things. Here, I mean, the coronavirus, the whole COVID thing. How is it you respond to that? Mm -hmm. Um, Do you respond by taking a posture of learning or saying, I've learned enough. I have the right opinion. This is what we need to be doing right now. Yeah. Um, You know, it's it's really easy to do that. And it like, frankly, you might not be wrong. Mm -hmm. But if you do it in a way that puts yourself above others, you're not following Jesus and his example of serving and loving. And so you're not right in yeah. the end. Yeah. You, you know, you can be both things at the same time. Absolutely. You I know that's have... a bit cliche to say, but it's, you yeah. know, I think that's so helpful. I, I do think that, you know, when, and I want to talk about the church for sure. Um, but when it comes to the conversations that we have outside, I really do think that humility, um, you know, sort of engages this idea of conversation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so that much. allows us to, to, be, to be listening to what other people are saying, not just waiting for our turn to jump in and share what we have to say, right? Right. Yeah. And this is where um, this this posture of humility and this conversation of humility uh, touches on some of the things we've seen culturally in the last little while. I mean, take the Black Lives Matters movement, um, which is it's a complex issue. Let's let's be sure. really clear about that. Um, I don't I don't think it's easy to just come out and blanket say for or against almost mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but are you doing your best to listen and learn right now when it comes to this stuff? Do you understand how systematic racism is a part of our history right like and i'm i'm not i'm not pointing the finger at anyone but i'm saying are what are you doing to learn what are you doing to listen um to invite voices of people that you might know you disagree with to start Mm -hmm. but but man what a what a what a lovely humanizing way to value someone by Mm -hmm. listening to them even if you know Mm -hmm. that that you don't agree um i mean it fascinating uh, I was listening to a podcast by um, I think it was some friends in Alpha who talked about doing missions work 
and how in the uh, the Middle East and in the Arab world, they've had to retrain young missionaries, um, so many of whom were kind of taught in this old model of how do you present the gospel? Well, you, you go and you talk about what's true. And they said, no, actually, that's not effective. People will write you off very quickly. What you do is you first go and you ask someone, you know, what is it you believe? Because people talk freely about religion there. And then how has Muhammad been a part of your life? How is that? How has knowing Muhammad changed your life? Which is, it's a scary question for Christians to ask because we would say, that's mm -hmm. not true. But then the response that that person has is often, well, what do you believe? And how has knowing Jesus changed your life? And it opens this window to be able to share and to humbly say, like, I, man, this is how Jesus is King and Lord in my life and why he's so worth following yeah. without kind of beating someone over the head with it. Well, and talk to me, we talked about this idea about how all of these values uh, sort of overlap in many ways. Yeah. So talk to me about the connection between this and creativity, because mm -hmm. I think those two, two things, especially when it comes to the way we communicate with people and the way that we, you know, how, like, how would you say that, that creativity sort of connects in with uh, humility? Yeah, I mean, lots of—that's oh, a good question. Lots of ways. Um, one, I think, is in how we how we present truth. Um, I mean, let's look at Jesus's example for a second. Jesus didn't get up and give three point sermons, um, which maybe is convicting to us. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> he didn't give like, "Here's a proper theology." This. What did he do? He told stories. Yeah. He told stories and let the work of the stories get under people's skin. Mm -hmm. uh, and point them to the truth. And I think often um, we need to find ways to to tell stories and to uh, engage people in ways that that allows truth to impact them in different ways. I, I just finished reading a, a book called um, uh, Jaber Crow by Wendell Berry. Uh, and it's funny, I've been reading a lot of a lot of other stuff, a lot of theology, a lot of pop psychology and stuff I, I really enjoy. But Jaber Crow has got under my skin in a way, right? Like it's, t it's teaching me about all kinds of things without actually trying to teach me about things. And I think that's, that's part of like engaging in truth. And sometimes, you know, frankly, if we practice humility, we're going to meet people and have people argue with us who aren't taking postures of humilities, humility. And our job isn't to argue back at their level. Our job is to continue to practice humility. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I think creativity is a huge part of that and just learning how to love them and to to even point them in the right direction without them knowing yeah <laughs> i remember i remember someone said to me um uh someone said to me once that the the way or yeah the way to know who's in control of a conversation is to look for the person who's asking the most questions mm. and that asking questions is really um the 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 place where we can um yeah, where we can guide and, and direct a conversation in a way that is uh, that demonstrates humility and engages in creativity and all that. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so let's let's talk about the church. You said that uh, you know Jesus told stories mm -hmm. to uh, allow us to put ourselves in those places, and you shared yeah. right at the very beginning about this idea of you know wearing different things or what people would would feel about you. Did. And I find I found it very easy for me to kind of put myself in that place where, yeah, I definitely do. Um, you know, have that, that tendency to start thinking about people based on what they look like mm -hmm. um, and make assumptions about them. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about that and, and how that plays out in the church context. Yeah. So again, I think that is, um, that's a natural part of being human. Um, uh, being able to see 
see things and to make snap judgments, snap kind of assumptions about things actually helps us navigate the world. And Malcolm Gladwell talks about this in, in all of his books and podcasts and stories. Um, and I, I had a story from Blink, one of his older books now, uh, about, you know, doing blind editions and how that's changed the orchestra world. Uh, and that's great. I, you know, I, I don't think the... Uh, I, I don't think it's realistic in some ways to think we can unlearn all of our assumptions about everything. And mm-hmm. like, I don't think it's realistic to say like, oh, I, I can't learn from the things I see. I actually think they're often really helpful. Um, the key is to not assume that what you see and what you understand places you above them or places them below you, right? The, sure. the key is to say, um, I see this in someone. I don't, I don't understand it. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me in my perspective, in my framework, that would be disrespectful or that would be, um, bad in some way. So I have something to learn. It's not that that's actually bad. It's not that that's actually wrong. And I mean, I mean, sometimes, sure. Sometimes people are do thing, do things that are bad. And we, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book Life Together has this list of ways that we, we get rid of, uh, selfish ambition and vain conceit. And one of them is protecting the freedoms of our brothers and sisters and then forgiving them when they abuse those freedoms. And I just love that. I love yeah. this idea that, yeah, we, we live in a way that isn't so rule bound that everyone's doing it right. Yeah. And that people, we allow people freedom to do it wrong, but we also don't start with the assumption that everyone's doing it wrong. We start with the assumption that what's yeah. going on here. I don't fully understand. How can I learn from this person? Yeah. I mean, I have learned uh, I have learned a lot from having conversations with our seniors who, who frankly have pretty different perspectives on, on things like clothing and music, uh, and, and all kinds of things than I do. Yeah. But, but having those conversations has allowed me to, to see where they're coming from and, and not to like, I'm going to fully adopt that view, but I understand it and I respect it. Yeah. Uh, and that's great. And, and same with like, I know people who um do all kinds of things i mean frankly a lot of my i was watching some friends leading worship uh, over the weekend yesterday some videos and like i, I was struck two-thirds of the videos i saw the worship leader was wearing a hat and i thought man that's uh <laughs> like i i know the feedback we would get here if that happened mm-hmm. it wouldn't necessarily, there'd be a lot of like the, the, the question is okay what does that do and i i know also if you talk to talk to our young life staff here at the church they would say so seeing someone on stage with a hat for our kids who don't know the church yeah. allows them to feel like maybe this church thing is for me. Because the truth is, it's not it's not about us as a church as an as an institution as a compass point. It's about people following Jesus. That's what the church is. Yeah. And if people, if we can use these things to invite people in, um, it's huge, huge. Yeah. And I think that's our responsibility as we follow Jesus. Yeah, that's and that's really wise. Uh, you know, I like just what you said uh, earlier about this idea that we all um, carry some of these these uh, you know these, these biases, if we if you will. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting and maybe important for us to recognize that because if um, if we believe that we have no biases, then we're in trouble. Because Absolutely. I think being able to identify them is actually a point all by itself. And 
And because, you know, prejudice and bias are, are such negative words, mm. we're tempted to kind of bury that in our own lives and say, I don't have any of those. Like, yeah. I don't think that way. Yep. But if we acknowledge it and, and allow it to be out there in the open, then it can guide our, our decisions in the way that you're talking about, where we listen to people for who they are and, you know, recognize that we carry these things with us. So uh, that's absolutely. really helpful. And, you know, it was fascinating. I was having a conversation with someone before church on Sunday, sitting in the pew with my family, um, and they were telling us about uh, how in in this time of COVID, but also this time of Black Lives Matters and other things, um, how they've had to unlearn some of what they grew up with mm-hmm. and, and how they've recognized that some of their their natural biases and opinions uh, use this term were actually racist. We're actually mm-hmm. rooted in these things. And I, you know, I, I thought to myself, Oh, that's, that's a pretty strong statement. Um, and I don't, I frankly, I don't know if that's, that's entirely fair to, to themselves, but, but man, what a, what a beautiful way to practice humility and to say like, I am, I am unlearning these things. And this is the, the thing about humility is, is the more we learn about it, the more we embrace it, the more we kind of, we know that, that yeah. we walk around in, in prideful and arrogant and entitled ways. Yeah. And we are, are quick to say, oh man, I am wrong. I, I was wrong when I did that. Please forgive me. I'm, I am unlearning these things. I made bad assumptions about you and that impacted the way that I treated you. And I put myself above you. If you think you don't ever put yourself above anyone, I, I mean, like, I, I don't even know what to do, right? Like, yeah. I, you, frankly, you do. Everyone yeah. does. If you're not Jesus, you've done it and you continue to do it. Yeah. And it's something that you, you're going to wrestle with. Um, but we think here, like, it, this, the reason one of, this is one of our values, it is it's so, so worth going after. And yeah. it's so worth, I mean, again, I said this on Sunday, our church is a, a little bit unique in the church landscape in that we have broad generations. We have yeah. grandchildren and grandparents together. Yeah which means that our, our assumptions are actually farther apart than they are in a lot of congregations. Yeah. And it's going to take us more work. Yeah. It's going to take more forgiveness, more questions, more patience. More humility. More humility. Yeah. But it is so worth it to become a community that looks more like Jesus. Yeah, I love the way that you have uh, sort of, in some ways, you know, for me, I think, redefined the humility in a way that has been really helpful. Uh, so talk to me about what this looks like um, in the church to, you know, bring our best mm. and put others first. What, how do we, what does this look like um, as, we, as we go forward? Yeah, bringing our best. Um, I, I mean, I said this at the end briefly, it, it's going to look a little different for everyone. Um, it looks like us encouraging each other. It looks like us using our resources, our skills, um, the things that we assume are off limits. I talked uh, briefly about family traditions, about Christmas and an experience that Rachel and the kids and I had when we were living in Lethbridge. There's a lot of things that our culture, I'll I'll say kind of assumes and knows are off bounds, um, right? Like we, there's a bit of a cultural expectation in the church and outside the church right now that at Christmas we're generous, right? You give to mm-hmm. a food bank, you donate something. Um, there's a bit of a cultural expectation of, of some form of hospitality. That's, you know, it's been disappearing for a while. People are less likely to have people over for dinner, but, um, you know, and we can practice more of that, sure. But there's, even then, there are things that we assume well, this is just, this is the way it is. It's off limits. Family time, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not in any way saying that family time is bad um, or, or that you can't kind of protect some of it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but but what are those things that you consider are are the best that you have? Um, the best of your resources, the best mm-hmm. of your uh, of your skills. What mm-hmm. is it? How are the how are you know? How can you give those things back to the church? How can you yeah. bless others with those? Um, and that's really really challenging. It's yeah. like, frankly, it's really hard. Um, but that's, that's what it looks like to practice this. And it's not, humility isn't an act of constantly making less of myself. It's an act of making more of everyone else, right? Talk yeah. about the Tim Keller quote. Um, and the best way that I can make more of everyone else is giving away my best. Um, the, the best thing, I mean, one of the best things I can do to serve people is use my gifts and music to serve people. Yeah. And to do it selflessly and to do it, uh, to work hard, to write songs, to plan services, to lead people. Yeah. Um, and that's not sitting back. And I, I've really, okay, this has actually been personally a really big struggle for me when it comes to songwriting and artistry. Um, it's a journey I've been on these last couple of weeks, actually. What's the role as, as an artist for me in promotion? How do I like, how do I deal with the fact that I've written and released, recorded and released songs and I think they're good songs. I think they're some of like some of the best things that I could be doing with my time. And I want them to bless people. How do I take those things and practice humility by allowing people access to them? Right. Like mm-hmm. th- there's this weird line where like sometimes humility looks like humble promotion. I like, and it's kind of a, that's a question mark there. It's something I'm wrestling through. Um, but yeah, it doesn't look like hiding everything away. It looks like giving it away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you've touched on so many great things. Um, you know, and I think we could, we could go all day on this, you know, one of the things that, you know, maybe I don't want to drop something at the very end, but when it comes to opinions Mm -hmm. and ideas, I mean, I think what I'm hearing is, you know, from what you've shared is that, is that there's nothing wrong with us bringing our opinions. Nothing. Uh, in fact, it's actually helpful mm-hmm. as long as we, again, put others first. So we mm-hmm. bring our opinion and allow it to be there. And then for those who are receiving um, information, we need to receive it in humility too. So yep. I think those it, things are helpful. And I will just say, when we bring our opinions, um, think about how we're bringing our opinions. Are yeah. we ambushing people with our opinions? Are we bringing them in the right ways, in the right places, right? Saving our opinions for the pivotal moment at a congregational meeting where you can stand up and stick <laughs> yeah. it to someone, yeah. that's not practicing humility. No, I'm yeah. sorry, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like shouting your opinion during a service, that's not practicing humility. There yeah. are things that, that are not there. Yeah. Um, but, but pulling someone aside and being like, hey, I would love to understand you better. Yeah. Help me. Um, yeah. Sending someone a note, those things can be really, yeah, can be really helpful. Yeah. So, so anything else you want to uh, just to sort of uh, finish us with, like leave us with as we uh, as we close here? Yeah, I I just I mean I've loved this series and I am so excited um, for us to do the hard work together because it's going to be so much hard work for us to be able to practice forgiveness all the time in all of these areas for not doing them right. Um, but I am just so convinced that. If Compass Point can become a community where we practice these things, we practice humility and creativity and generosity, uh, the gospel will shine through us. Uh, Jesus will do some amazing things. I I, uh, quoted a a story from Acts where Peter healed a man. Um, And I think often we think that's just, that's wild. And that's, that's Acts. And maybe, 
But, but what kind of healing, what kind of gospel does Jesus want us to bring in our community today? Mm-hmm. Uh, and how do we join him on that mission? I'm just so excited for that. So yeah, I just want to invite you in. That's amazing and so challenging. And, and you know, it's, there's, it's exciting. It's exciting to see yeah. and to think about how this will all play out. Well, we want to thank you again for uh, listening today and joining with us as we uh, talked through this idea. And uh, we look forward to connecting with you again next week.